Fantasy Football Podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback defense tight end recommendations based on opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Live in the Stream. Hey fantasy footballers, welcome to another edition of Live in the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, or the late round quarterback, and I'm joined, of course, by my fantastic co-host, Denny Carter. Denny, what is going on? Uh, not much, JJ. I, uh, I've spent a week now uh, defending my new Twitter avatar, so that that's a little exhausting, but, uh, you know, I don't have anything against penguins, and I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure everybody else should either. My uh, my wife loves it, so that, that's all that matters to me. How- how did how did that come about exactly? On Friday night, I get this tweet from a random account that says they want to put me in touch with my inner animal, and apparently, my inner animal <laughs> is a penguin. So, oh, obviously, a penguin. Wait, was this penguin. was this like a was, was this some sort of weird bot, or was this like a real human? No, I don't know. I I tried to respond, and and it didn't. They didn't get back to me, but but they they pinned my head on a friggin' penguin. I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty incredible. I wanna. I think that that person needs to start making Twitter avatars for every fantasy writer I, out there. I agree. Please, let's do that. Yeah, can we get like a bear and a fish and other stuff? A cat? Maybe we could. We could use all the money we make from this podcast to to pay him to make them. All all of it. Yes. Yes. Every single all last of it. cent. Lots of lots of not not a lot of money coming your way. Right, it's not it's not it's not official money. It's uh, yeah. What, what are those things called? What is that online currency that everyone thinks is going to take off? There's an online currency. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, wow. I always thought I always just thought it was monopoly money. <laughs> we could pay him in that. Yeah, we'll pay him in monopoly All right. money. All right. Well, tonight we're uh, oh, well depends on when you're listening to it, I guess, but. It's tonight for us. We are uh, going to talk about something that we're both pretty passionate about, um, and that's this concept of real versus fake football. Uh, you know, I think Denny and I are both big, obviously, fake football advocates, but we both understand and love the sport. Don't get me wrong. But I think that there's this aspect uh, that that fantasy footballers and fantasy writers and fantasy experts take real football and what what allows a team to win in real football and think that that directly translates to fake football. And we're just going to kind of talk about that. It's going to be a lot of ranting, I think, Denny. I, oh, actually, I, I was thinking about uh, the fact that this is going to be like a, like a 45-minute rant. Just, it'll just be the rant session will be the, the entire thing. But, but yeah. I mean, the, the crux of the, the real versus fake situation is, is that even if a player is uh, irreplaceable, in real football, uh, because of you know a speed size combination, for instance, um, doesn't mean the player is not replaceable in fantasy football. Uh, so it, it comes down to kind of a: uh, Do you think of yourself as a strictly a talent evaluator, a scout type, or do you think of yourself as someone uh, as a as a more of a stockbroker, someone who? Uh, sees who is overvalued, who's undervalued, and where you can find a deal in in the fantasy market. I think that's where the difference comes down to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think 
you take that that old adage that that formula that people always throw out there that a, a, a player's fantasy value equals their talent times their opportunity, where the talent is is obvious. You know, like it, like someone like Julio Jones or Calvin Johnson, they have all the talent in the world. But if they're the third receiver on their team, then the opportunity isn't necessarily there. And I think in fantasy football, in my opinion at least, opportunity is probably more important than talent when these real football evaluators are seeing talent as more important than opportunity. Yeah, and, and I think that it, that changes uh, in Dynasty, you know, because you're banking on sure. long-term, uh, uh, t- that talent will win long-term. And, and, that's, and that's fine, and I understand that. So, you know, like the Dynasty mavens out there, will probably not take too kindly to a message like this. But in redraft, it's very different uh, in, the, in the way that you should, um, you know, think about uh, valuing players. You know, um, if, I, uh, if I hear one more thing about a player's uh, superb hip swivel uh, oh, yeah. and why that makes them a, 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 a you know, a invaluable fantasy commodity, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. So... Uh, it, there is a there is a distinct difference, and we'll just get into that a little bit tonight. Yeah, I think a good point too with that. Um, you know, we're not here to belittle people who who do watch film and do understand film and and do throw out the hip swivel uh, analysis. <laughs> it, it's it, it's it's more just saying that uh, you know taking that analysis and translating it to fantasy football is not as uh, linear and transparent as as people make it out to be. Uh, I think that there is a lot more to it than just saying this player is good, therefore this player is a good fantasy asset. Right, right, and and or or to overvalue that player in redraft again, uh, right. because because you think that uh, he he is head head and shoulders above everyone else as far as talent is concerned, and that's fine, and and you probably are right if you if you study it hard enough and if you know what you're talking about, um, but. Uh, you know that that kind of stock market approach, I think, is something that goes missing when you focus too much on the real aspect. Yeah, definitely. So what what we're gonna do tonight? I, I think it might be end up being a shorter pod uh, than usual, but we'll see. It depends on how angry we get. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think you know what we'll do is I'll go through kind of a list. We're, we're gonna go through teams, right? We're gonna go through a standard lineup that would be good from a fake football perspective, but maybe not from a real, from a real team perspective. Uh, so we'll go through a list of guys there, give some commentary, and then we'll kind of flip flop the formula and look at some guys that are good from a real football perspective, but you know, they might not be the best option out there, uh, in, in fantasy football. So with that, um, I'll start off with the, the, the standard lineup, of a good fake football team, but maybe not from a real football team perspective. Uh, so at quarterback, and I think that we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get a little philosophical here, but um, at quarterback, I have Tony Romo. Uh, the, the guy just finished uh, a season with the ninth most yards in NFL history, and he's continuously you know, a top fantasy quarterback. But... I think that people often overlook him in fantasy because his team is always eight and eight, or because they remember what he did in the in the playoffs, uh, and and it's the Cowboys, so he's heavily scrutinized. So we don't we don't necessarily have a fair comparison with Tony Romo compared to some other quarterbacks out there because we're looking at him with a different kind of eye. So for me, a guy that is maybe not looked at as well from a real football perspective 
that, that is great from a fantasy football perspective is Tony Romo. And the interesting thing with that, too, is that every year Tony Romo's AD, he, he outperforms his ADP almost every single season. The only time that he hasn't is when he's gotten hurt. So if, if you think of it that way, ADP is kind of the way, I mean, that's obviously the way that people view a player. And if he's outperforming that on a year-to-year basis, it's pretty clear that he's probably better at the at the fake sport than the real one. Yeah, exactly. I, I think uh, that's spot on with, with Romo as the ultimate fake team quarterback because if you're asking someone to put together uh, a real team uh, you know, position by position, uh, not many people outside the uh, greater Dallas region are going to pick Tony Romo to start their team. Um, as I, I can speak as someone firmly in the midst of Redskin land here uh, that um, – <laughs> Uh, Tony Romo is thought of in a lot of circles, and, and these are legit NFL fans. He thought he's thought of in a lot of circles as as hardly a legitimate quarterback, like uh, you know, right. down there with like the Blaine Gabbards uh, of the world. Um, and um, so that really, you know, people I think uh, take you know re- they remember him fumbling the snap against the Seahawks in the playoffs that year. Uh, they remember right. him throwing that just heinous interception against the skins in the last game of the season last year and yeah those things those things kind of tarnish uh, a st- statistically good career but that's all we care about in fantasy our statistics so let's you know let's it's just important to remember that instead of evaluating him as a real player yeah I think the one thing that that is key with quarterbacks and when evaluating them in this real versus fake football standpoint is their clutch factor. It's this idea that if a quarterback is clutch, of course he is a better quarterback, someone like Ben Roethlisberger, someone like dare I say Joe Flacco. Uh, I can't believe I just did that uh, on this you're, podcast. You're definitely gonna shower cry tonight <laughs> i'm already I already feel a tear coming. <laughs> But you know, like there are there are players out there who have made a, a a living off of being an NFL quarterback who is clutch, and Tony Romo has has not been that in uh, the public eye. So you know whether or not the the numbers add up with his with his clutchness, because he he has had some some phenomenal games. I remember that San Fran game where he broke his rib, they went into overtime, and he won the right. game. Uh, but but I think that it's it's those big games where. He hasn't come through, so people automatically assume that you know maybe his his talent level on the field in terms of clutchness doesn't necessarily translate to fantasy football when it actually does because we don't we don't care about fourth quarter interceptions at sure, all. Sure, sure. And, and uh, another thing, uh, and I know I don't want to get too bogged down in, in every position, but uh, the uh, the same thought was prevalent with Matt Stafford last year, um, you know, because he played poorly through large stretches of the season the lions looked terrible the line you know it was all it was it was a lot of garbage time points and and i i kept hearing you know people say uh i would never start stafford because um because he's throwing sidearm he's throwing off his back foot you know he does this mechanically he's off uh the only thing i cared about was that he was throwing the ball 45 or 50 or 55 times a game so if a guy's chucking it 50 times a game something's going to happen okay i mean he's he's going to pile on some yards he's he, he's going to throw a touchdown or two uh so you know it's just it kind of important to separate uh your like your real perception of a player yes stafford looked horrible at times last year but numbers wise he was very valuable at times right 
Yeah, and that that too goes uh, not to again. We're we're sticking with court, but I think this is important. I think this is the one position that people people often can't comprehend because it is so important in real football. Uh, so I I think another thing to to talk about here is is efficiency and volume, and it's this idea that just because a player is efficient at quarterback or has a high completion percentage, like Alex Smith did last year, for instance. Uh, or or what Russell Wilson and RG three and what those guys are doing through the air, even though they have that that extra uh, running factor to their game, but efficiency does not necessarily equate to effectiveness in fantasy. So Matthew Stafford, like you said, is not necessarily an efficient passer. He just throws a hell of a lot of passes, so he matters in fantasy football. Ben Roethlisberger, yeah, he's getting up there in volume a little bit now, but back in in the early years of his career. He, he, he barely, I mean, I don't think he reached 400 passes until his third year. So it, it's, it's a situation where you have to recognize that, you know, play on the field uh, from a volume perspective and, and, and having that high completion percentage doesn't, doesn't equate to fantasy football. Right, and, and about outperforming your ADP, I think that that's something, uh, actually, Fantasy Douche talked about this on Rotoviz, uh, I think it was earlier this week or last week, talked about how so many people pour so much of their time into deciding who they're going to pick in the first round or the second round yep. or even the third round. And really what you're talking about is you're talking about you're picking guys there who at best in the first round they're going to outperform their average draft position by what two spots, maybe four spots right. at at absolute best. A lot of times they're within one spot of where they were drafted. So, um, you know, the when you're when you bank, when you put so much into a player who you feel is supremely talented, uh, and you pay such a premium price, they really have to outperform their ADP by quite a bit in order for you to to be right about you know how much better they were than everybody else. Yeah, totally. Anyway, how about right. your running? Back? Well, let's yeah, let's move on to the running back. So the first one that I have, so I'll I'll go RB one, RB two. Not to say that this is a, a real fantasy lineup, but. The first guy I have is is my lover Vic Ballard. Uh, you know he he's he's a plotter, doesn't have a lot of talent, but he has so much opportunity. There is nobody in Indianapolis that is coming for him, and for that alone, Vic Ballard is a great fake football asset that might not be great at real football. I I think he kind of stands out as. Like one of the main uh, one of the main plotters who, um, you know who who has real fantasy value, but who you would not pick to start a team with, right? I mean, you know, like right. like like Ben Jarvis Green Ellis when he was with New England, and I guess parts of you know his time in Cincinnati, you wouldn't be like, yes, I need the law firm on my team to start. I have to have him, but he's he has you know where he was drafted the last couple of years, he's had some value. Right. I mean, think about going out to the playground and picking a kickball team, right? And you have this you have this group of people and you're choosing your team and you're obviously choosing it based on uh it, their their talent, who has the best leg, right? Who was who's that 250-pound fifth grader that's going to just crush the ball into left field, right? But but really like what happens when you can only choose a left-footed kicker, mm-hmm. right? So now you're now you're constrained to kicking to to choosing only this specific person, and that person is just going to give you more opportunity 
because he is he he's the only person you know if there's only two guys that can kick left footed I probably should have said that <laughs> but you know there's there's just not there's nothing else to choose from that's it it's him so that left that left footed kicker could suck at kicking and playing kickball and he's not going to be as good as a 250 pounder mm-hmm. but at the same time that 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 lefty is valuable because you needed that lefty. Absolutely. And I, I think this also means that you have joined one of Fantasy Hipster's uh, Fantasy Kickball te- uh, Leagues, I think. It Uh-oh. started up recently. So we'll, you'll have to post your results as the season goes on. If, if See if you get that 250-pound kid on your... On your... <laughs> <laughs> His name's Charles. Yeah, okay. just, yeah just watch out for him. Um, the other guy, I, I think that you know you're going to sense a theme here. The other guy that I have right now is Le'Veon Bell, who's on my Steelers. Uh, but th- this is, I-, I wanted to mention him because he's a guy that came out of the draft and and everyone was ripping on him because he didn't have the talent to be a successful NFL running back. Right? He had a great combine. Uh, you know, he did he did he did great work there. But when people watched his film, they didn't see something. Uh, great out of out of Bell, and to me, it doesn't. I mean, it, sure, it matters. Like we have to, we have to make sure, especially because he's a rookie, we have to understand his talent. But at the same time, we have to understand that not only do the Steelers not have much of a running back competition because Jonathan Dwyer and Isaac Redman are not solid running backs. They're they're good pass blockers, but they're not they're not good running backs. And then not only that, but the Steelers spent a second round pick on the guy. I mean, clearly he has some sort of opportunity coming into the season. And again, that's the formula, talent versus opportunity. And you, he has the opportunity. His talent is questionable because we've never seen him in the NFL. But part of that is, is, is embedded into his ADP where I think he's being drafted as a high-end RB3, low-end RB2. So just with that, I think that, that Le'Veon Bell uh, is a great example of someone being great at fake football entering a season where we don't know if he's good or not really at real football. Exactly. And, and he's in a, he's in a position ADP wise where he, he can outperform that ADP pretty pretty easily. I mean, you know what, why, why can he not, let's see, he's being drafted what in the RB like 28 range, uh, 24. I got it. RB 24. So, you know, I mean, why you know why why could he not perform at 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 you know top eighteen, top twenty? I mean, even that would would be a, a significant boost over how much you invested into him. Right, and you know, I don't think for any of these guys we're saying necessarily, hey, you need to draft him. I think that we're just we're simply stating that you're going to read a lot of content out there that says you shouldn't draft him based on his talent right. level, but I think that you. You know, you need to have some sense of of uh, honest wisdom, uh, and that's us. Yeah, and 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 if you see on Twitter, you know, you, you'll see a lot of people say that you know he's not, he doesn't have, uh, Bell doesn't have, you know, the lateral agility, he doesn't have uh, a breakaway speed once he gets in the open field, and um, you know, you'll hear him described as a plotter. And I guess, I mean, the only you know real succinct way of responding to that. In a fantasy sense, not not in a real sense, but in a fantasy sense, is to say, so what? You know, right. So what? Right. I mean, if the guy, if a guy's going to touch the rock 250 times and stay healthy, he's going to be a top 20 fantasy back. I can guarantee right. you. So if you know, if if he's going to get that opportunity, then so so what? If he's not, if he doesn't look great doing it, you know, it's it. All I care about is that he posts numbers. Again, 
it, I know it's different in, in, in Dynasty. I know you don't want a guy who has limited talent on, on your on your team like that. But but uh, in redrafts, you know, just just say who who cares. I'll, I'll take Bell. I'll take Bell cheap and see if he outperforms. Yeah. Um. So the next guy on my list, I've been writing a lot about uh, two the the two guys in Atlanta this week. Uh, Roddy White and Julio Jones. I, for some reason, I had like two or three articles that just happened to come out at the same time about them. Uh, but but basically, the the gist of what's going on in the fantasy community right now is that Julio Jones is being drafted 10 wide receiver spots ahead of Roddy White right now. And to me, that's just completely heinous. That just is unbelievable. Julio Jones, well, actually, I, we won't get into that yet. We'll get into that okay. later. Roddy White is my guy here who... Okay, I understand we're saying that they're bad from a real team perspective, and Roddy White is not only a great receiver, but he's a great blocking receiver. So, I mean, he's one of the best all-around receivers in the league. But this is more um, talking about uh, the, the how Julio Jones has overshadowed Roddy White's talent level in Atlanta. And, and it seems so crazy because Roddy White has been absurdly good. I mean, he... He's if he keeps it, if he keeps this up he could make I mean he's going to be a Hall of Famer like that's how good he's sure. been and and I actually I, I pulled a uh, a section off of my recent article from Pro Football Focus to just read because I think that it it really uh, allows you to understand just how good Roddy White has been and then we'll we'll dig more into this real versus fake thing it says. Since 2007, Roddy White's breakout season, the Falcons' wideout has ranked, given standard scoring, as the 14th, 6th, 7th, 4th, 8th, and 10th best fantasy wide receiver, and he's compiled an average yearly stat line of 94 receptions, 1,296 yards, and 8 touchdowns. To put that in perspective, his normal annual metrics over the last six seasons would have ranked him as the 9th best fantasy receiver in 2012. Now, what I'm trying to get at here is that Roddy White is being overlooked from a fantasy perspective because what you see on the field from a real team perspective is a lot of weapons in Atlanta, is this crazy talented receiver in Julio Jones, is this Hall of Fame tight end in Tony Gonzalez, and yet Roddy White is just kind of sitting there in the background, even though he's immensely talented and he still has a lot of opportunity in that offense. He, he had, he had more tar- he had 12 more targets, I think than Julio Jones last year. Uh, it, right now you can't firmly say that Julio Jones is going to take over and be that number one guy in Atlanta when they're in a win now mode. Roddy white hasn't shown any signs of wear and tear. I mean, this is still, I mean, Matt, it's still Matt Ryan's favorite receiver. So I think from a real versus fake perspective, sure, he's phenomenal at real. But I think that given value in fantasy football, he's even better in fantasy football. Right, right. I mean, if you can get uh, the same uh, or or similar production from White that far down in the draft as, as you would from Julio, then I, there, I, to me, there is no choice there. You know, it's it, 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 it's different, you know, in in real football, you you're you're saying I want to start a franchise with Julio Jones. Of course, he's younger. He sure. just has freakish athletic ability. Um, I remember uh, Chris Wessling from Roto World last year um, it talked about how uh, he uh, how how Julio uh, was was seen running in in Falcons practice, and 
one of the coaches said it's a, he was uh, for actually afraid hearing him run because it sounded like a horse was coming at him. Uh, <laughs> nice. And that, that kind of stuff, you know, sticks sticks in your mind is like, wow, you know, he really stands out from an athletic standpoint. And, and you know, I need him on my fantasy team. But if you kind of have a sober assessment, you probably lean white there. Yeah. And, and I think, too, that we get really, really excited about young players and it's it's the the veteran guys who typically uh, begin to fall in drafts as they get as they get older because you assume that as they get older they're going to drop off in production. But if you're really an elite talent in the NFL, you're going to have eight to ten years of, of pretty solid production. And and Roddy White's an example of that. And I think you know Steve Smith is another example of that. I mean, they're, they're wide receiver especially you can play for for a longer time than you can at running back. And I think that it's an unsexy pick. It's a it's a Marcus Colston kind of pick where they they get you uh, the fantasy points at the end of the season that that you would want from their ADP, and they could certainly outscore their AD and do better than their ADP. But people just don't want them because they're boring. Yes, they are. They are boring. Uh, Marcus Colston is is a very boring fantasy commodity. You're right. He was only fun back when he was a rookie, and you could play him as a tight end in ESPN leagues. Really, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, he was. I I had him as a. I picked him up and I slotted him as my tight end. And then uh, as the season went on, ESPN changed it so that you had to put him at, or so that he was listed as a wide receiver. And his bye week was coming up, and I didn't want to bench him because then I couldn't put him in my tight end spot. So I just kept him in during his bye week, and I had him as my tight end the entire season. Wow, I I mean. I'm blown. Screw tight end streaming, Denny. I'm blown away. Hey, yeah, let's just all go back to 2006 and and use uh, Marcus <laughs> Colston. <type. laughs> yeah, exactly. It was awesome. It's nuts. It was phenomenal. Uh, the 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 last receiver that I had on here uh, was, was a guy I just mentioned, and Steve Smith. So we, you know, the view and the perception of him is that he's old, which he is. I think he's going to be 34 this year. Um, but. The last two seasons combined, he's been the 12th best fantasy football receiver. And he's the only guy in Carolina. He's the only guy. You have Greg Olson, sure. But there, Steve Smith is is going to get enough targets to be an effective uh, fantasy football player. And even if even if you see him as slower or just not as good as, as what we used to see Steve Smith when Jake DeLome was there, that's fine. He's going to see a ton of targets. He's the only guy in Carolina that Cam Newton can really rely on on a, on a week-by-week basis. So I think that Steve Smith is a prime example, again, of someone who's going to outperform their ADP, be pretty good at fake football this year. But in real football, although he's a, he's a monster, I mean, he's, he, he does things. I, I remember that one. I can't remember who they were playing against where he, he jumped up for the ball, he grabbed it, and there were like three guys on top of him. He somehow came out of the pile and went in for like a 50-yard score. But like... Steve Smith doesn't do that kind of stuff that much anymore, mm-hmm. and you're not going to see that out of him that much anymore, but he's still the guy in Carolina. And by the way, he's not the one who retired today. Oh, he's not. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, t- I tweeted that out. There were like four or five people that are like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. That's, that's Real unfortunate. Bad. Uh, uh, no, well, you know, the thing is with, with, you know, Steve Smith not being Steve Smith of like five six years ago uh, is that really it doesn't matter because you're not you're not <laughs> drafting him at a at a premium anymore so it comes down to the real fake divide again and you know 
real team you don't want an aging receiver who's not as not quite as nimble as he was you know five or six seasons ago but fantasy wise you know he's not he's not too expensive he can out he can definitely outperform his adp well you know why not I've been, I mean, I've been very vocal about Steve Smith mm-hmm. throughout the offseason, really. Uh, I, I wrote a, an article on Pro Football Focus back in, like, March, I want to say, uh, when people, when when, Mar- when mock draft data was really picking up and, and you could actually get some sort of comprehension in it. And I know that my fantasy league uh, does a lot of best ball leagues and, and, and whatnot, and you might not want Steve Smith in a best ball league, so his ADP might be skewed a little bit. But right now, on I'm looking at it, at my fantasy league. Steve Smith is the 36th receiver off the board. Wow! I'm gonna I'm gonna cry so hard right now. Wait, 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 wait. Is that is that real? Is this real life? That's real. Hold on. That's real life. <laughs> are, you, are you sure this isn't from February? Hold on a second. This is. This is right now, real time. Huh. Well, okay. Uh, just for the record, uh, fantasy football calculator has him at. Wide receiver twenty three. No, okay. no, I'm sorry. Hold on. Was that Tory? Twenty eight. Twenty eight. That's still. I mean, that's still a, a wide receiver three. Oh yeah, no, that's still a deal and a half. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I I am gonna I'm gonna be alone. Uh, I could be alone on this boat, the Steve Smith boat. But I I, I really. Don't, I understand that the position is quote unquote deep, but I think that we're we're kind of getting confused with depth and opportunity. Right. And you know, there's a lot of high upside guys that are late, but a lot of the are later, but a lot of those guys might not pan out. So sure. I think Steve Smith is a safe, steady guy that you can get, and I'm going to probably try to promote him on every single podcast that we do from here on out, so that you'll never get him in your various leagues this summer. I got it. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Good job. You'll you'll price you'll price him out of his value. Good, good, good. Um, the last thing, tight ends. With with you know, remember this is a fake football team, a good fake football team that might not be that good in real football. And at tight end, how about any of them? <laughs> there you go. Any of them. I like it. I don't even care who you're picking. Yeah. Any any tight end is valuable. I mean, just. Talk to Denny, the streaming master. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I'll just pull out the, the stat that I that I kind of go to in this situation. Uh, Forty-seven tight ends uh, uh, posted top twelve numbers at least once last year. I know that you're not going to be able to bank on a lot of those because some of them were very fluky. But uh, you know, forty-seven. I mean, twenty-five uh, tight ends posted top twelve numbers four or more times. So, in other words. There are a lot of usable options, um, and like JJ said, uh, there's just very little reason to to spend a premium unless you're unless you're getting you know a healthy Gronk, I suppose, and 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 or a Graham. I I love how you say this is the stat that I love to pull out in situations like this, <laughs> like it's a like like it's an everyday thing where some you're just walking down the streets of DC and they're just like, hey, yeah. hey, tell me a little bit about tight end street. Right, right, right. I I I cannot wait to draft Aaron Hernandez high this year, and I'll be like, well, <laughs> here's what I tell people in your situation. So. Remember, we we had that discussion. I really want to like. I, I might just quit my day job and and just go to like a really highly populated area. And instead of like, 
singing for money on the streets. I'm just going to put a hat on the ground and just start talking about late round quarterback (laughs) and just, just, just let everyone know. Just, I'm going to recite my book over and over and over again. And I'm just going to hope that someone gives me money. We'll, we'll talk for food, you know, like, yeah, right. We'll tell you how to stream quarterbacks (laughs) for sustenance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're, you know, you're exactly right. It's the same kind of situation with quarterbacks, uh, and tight ends. But the thing is with tight ends, that you get uh, that you don't get with quarterbacks is that tight ends don't score as many points, so there's there's a lot less variance and there's a lot less uh, uh, of a of an opportunity cost by starting a poor, talented, poorly talented tight end. So in other words, you know you're going to start a, a tight end who gives you three points in a fantasy week, and you're like, oh shucks, he only got me three fantasy points. But realistically, tight ends just don't score a lot of a lot of points. So even the even the top uh, you know tight ends are, aren't going to score a whole lot more points than those three. Right, right, right. Yeah. So would you want to move on to the the real team here? Yeah. Why don't you dig into that a little All bit? All right. Well, I found uh, some players who uh, they're, they're they're really uh, favorites of the uh, I guess real football community, and for good reason. I mean, I I would never take away uh, anything from the players that I'm that I'm going to list here and talk about a little bit um, because they are supremely talented and if I were to start a franchise if I were magically given the Bills GM job say like everybody gets uh, once in a while um, you uh, <laughs> uh, then uh, you know these players would be high on the list of, of guys you would desperately want um, uh, to, to play real football with but um, I'll start actually, I'll start with the wide receivers, if you don't mind. Um, uh, Randall Cobb is a guy that jumps out here because, uh, not, not because he's not great because I think that, you know, he is, you know, Percy Harvin light and just barely light. Um, but he's going, uh, at, at the, he's, he's the ninth receiver off the board right now. And that's really rich uh, for for my taste, um, and it should be rich for most people's tastes in in redraft leagues. Um, his uh, his 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 uh, comparable players, uh, according to Rotoviz, and I know that not everyone takes that as you know the Bible, and neither do I. But I think that their tools are, are valuable in, in helping identify a guy like this. Um, uh, his his closest comp is Cecil Shorts, and Shorts is going as the thirty seventh wide receiver off the board. Uh, they have identical touchdowns per game. Uh, Cecil Shorts has uh, more yardage, more average yardage per game receiving, uh, and uh, Shorts averages more yards per touch on average. So um, uh, that that's a that's a huge value opportunity that you have there uh instead of taking randall cobb uh as the ninth receiver off the board to wait and wait and wait until until shorts shows up at wide receiver 37 as of now i mean that's going to change but not i probably i would say not too drastically uh over the next couple months um i i i've seen a, a lot of arguments saying well what you get with cobb that you wouldn't get with most receivers including shorts is his involvement in the Packers run game, you know, he, he lines up in the backfield and that's true. I would point out that he, uh, Randall Cobb had a grand total 
last season of 10 rushes. Um, and he never had more than three in a game. So, you know, I don't know if we can all, you know, point to, to his, you know, quote unquote involvement in the running game as, as a reason for drafting him that high, because he doesn't have much involvement. Uh, and, uh, he, he was very successful on the, on the times that the Packers gave him the ball. Uh, but, uh, the fact that he got 10 rushes, I think speaks to, uh, you know, why we shouldn't factor that in too much. Um, so he's, he's definitely one that jumps out at me. I, I won't be owning him if his, if, unless his ADP magically drops. Uh, yeah. I think the, the point, a good point to be made here is that he's the classic case of looking phenomenal and flashy on film because that's what he is. And we tend to just naturally, because we're human beings overrate that. Right. Uh, it's, it's the opposite of being a plotter, right? It's, it's uh, oh. a plotter as a running back. Obviously, you're not going to get that necessarily unless you're Anquan Bolden. Oh, zing. <laughs> uh, but but I, I think that Randall Cobb, you know, of course, again, of course we think that he's good at football and that he's going to have a, a stellar fantasy season, but this just comes down to where his ADP is. And I think that he's been he's been a top 10 receiver, I believe, being drafted off the board throughout – these mock drafts right yeah and 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 i, I get it i i totally get it because the guy is just a, an unbelievable talent and can be used in a variety of ways and when i mean man when that guy gets in the open field he's ridiculously fast i right i understand where the appeal is where the real football appeal is um i just think that there are major uh there, there's there's a huge advantage to taking a guy like shorts uh, you know, whatever, four, five, six rounds later, uh, and getting, uh, you know, close to the same, to the same production, um, according to, you know, their, their previous production. Now, if Cobb goes off and catches 120 passes this year, then this conversation goes out the window, but, you know, he caught 80 passes last year. It's not like he, uh, you know, it's not, it's not like he was a world beater as far as uh, receptions went. So, Right. Um, I think that he's definitely one. The, the other, the other receiver that stands out to me as as an excellent real football option and one that's maybe being overvalued in fantasy circles is Danny Amendola, which is, was kind of predictable that this would happen. You know, he goes to New England and he's supposed to be Wes Welker plus some, but he's going at wide receiver twenty one right now. Uh, which is not, you know, it's not, that's not horribly high. I mean, that's, uh, uh, that's in the fifth, middle of the fifth round. Um, but uh, uh, Stevie Johnson is a really close comp to, to Amendola. And I know that sounds kind of funny because Amendola is like the, you know, the pride and joy of film watchers everywhere, the way, uh, the way he just roasts people from his uh, slot receiver position. Um, and, uh, Stevie Johnson has sort of a, a, a weird way to go about his uh, route running and is, is not really a prototype, uh, in a lot of ways, but, um, uh, Stevie Johnson had, um, uh, more targets, uh, per game than Amendola last year. He had more yards per game than Amendola. Uh, and again, his, uh, yards per touch, uh, it was, was higher than Amendola's. Um, right. and also I think. Yeah, I think that that last stat's probably the most important of them because that that is something that could translate mm-hmm. to Amendola being in New England. Right. Yes. And and, and look at this I I wanted to say as a caveat, 
uh, Amendola's value, the, this this conversation changes in PPR leagues. Um, I think that that he'll have a whole lot more value there. That I, I know I know that that's not exactly a brave thing to say, but I just wanted to be on the record with that. Um, uh, and and you know, if you're honest with if everybody's honest with each other, Amendola is not going to be scoring touchdowns this year. So let's just throw that out of the equation. You know, is uh, I, I don't want to set it over under, but they have a lot of really ridiculous red zone options in New England. So he's not going to score touchdowns. So that, that he he just strikes me as someone who you know, real football wise, awesome, fake football wise, he's really going to have to turn out a, a kind of an unbelievable season to outperform his ADP by a lot right now. I think before we move on to other positions, let's jump back to Julio Jones really quick right. because I want to make the point that the, this whole idea of, again, of ADP and being able to outperform that ADP, usually the talented players, the, the overly talented players that have not yet hit their potential mm-hmm. – are but but everyone can foresee their potential are their their ADP is usually at a point where there isn't that much room for improvement and unfortunately for someone like Julio Jones he's being drafted at the beginning of the second round middle of the second round maybe late second round but the problem with that is he's not getting wide receiver one targets he ranks 16th in targets last year and, and by wide receiver one, I should say elite wide receiver one. So you look at someone like Brandon Marshall, A.J. Green, uh, Calvin Johnson, obviously. Uh, even even Demarius Thomas, I think, will we'll see more more targets than Julio Jones next season. Uh, and, and I think because of that, it, it's very difficult for me to, to give someone a thumbs up when they draft Julio Jones in the second round. Oh, it's such a high price. God, I mean, just... It's, it's super high. He he would have to just go bonkers to right. He he would he would have to, and this is this is honestly kind of my feeling about Gronk and Graham that are that is going that is being overlooked. And I'll eventually this off season once we find out a little bit more about Gronk, mm-hmm. uh, write write a piece on this. But really, when you value those guys in the second round, I know that we all say they're going to outperform their position by so many points and compare you know the, the the classic VBD argument but but really even without talking about replaceability with tight ends Gronk and Graham need to produce at levels that they did back in 2011 which is very very difficult to do and i think because of that i mean i can get more into the data and stuff once the once i actually get around to writing the article but it's the same kind of concept you have to weigh what this perceived ADP is and where their ceiling can go. And, and and if they can't go much further, you know, then, then there's no really real reason to draft them. And I think mm-hmm. that's what, that's what some people are talking about now with Larry Fitzgerald. His ADP is rising yeah. to the, to the early third round, but really do we think that he's going to become this top five wide receiver? I mean, I understand he's got Bruce Arians and Carson Palmer's a strong armed quarterback, but is he really going to, going to just take that leap, uh, especially compared to last year, and become that top wideout. So it, it's, it's that struggle. It's, you have to understand a player's ceiling, and part of that comes, um, you know, whether people are overvaluing that player based on talent. Sure, sure. And, um, yeah, I, I think we have to know more about the Gronkowski injury situation uh, before 
we decide, you know, where, where, where he should be drafted. But if his, I, I mean, I'm, I'm on the bandwagon of, of taking him, uh, even if he's going to miss three or four games, if he's available uh, for cheap, which he is, which he's beginning to, to that's beginning right. to come to fruition. So that's, that's something I, I think I would advocate for this summer. Yeah, I mean, I I think that there there comes a point in time, obviously in any draft where you would you would want to select them. And at first, you know, I th- this is something that I'm uh, I haven't you know baked out completely. But uh, you know, at the beginning of the the off season, I had Gronk as a top fifteen player, and in, in that you know that's assuming that he's healthy. Even if he's healthy right now, if he's a hundred percent, and I'm not, I'm I'm I promise you, I'm not taking any of these injuries into consideration right now. I would not draft him until. At the earliest, the end of the second round and into the third round, even if he's 100% healthy. And I know that's going to sound crazy to some people, but there's there's some math that backs that up. Yeah. So can I – let's see. I'll, I'm going to move on to running backs. And, you know, I actually had a tough time with running backs, finding a, a you know, real fake situation. But uh, the one guy in redraft – again, redraft dynasty people, please don't kill me um, – is uh was uh, Trent Richardson uh and I, I know this is nitpicking a, a bit because I'm not down on Trent Richardson um at all but uh he's going as the sixth running back off the board today um and you know I mean the guy I mean these are stats that any fantasy obsessive knows but he he averaged 3.6 yards per carry last year that's Yikes. Fairly horrible, um, yeah. and this this jumped out to me. I was looking on Pro Football Focus to see exactly, you know, uh, I was looking for a reason not to mention him in the in this in this real versus fake debate. Um, but the guy Trent Richardson was twenty eighth among running backs in fantasy points per opportunity. So basically, that means every time he touched the ball, that that's 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 that average number. And right. He was 28th uh, among running backs. That that's that's super low. I mean, that uh, if you see some guys above him, you'd be very surprised. And if I were smart, I'd have that tab up right now, and I could tell you, but I don't. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, he's he's struggling with a, a little bit, of, you know, some some nicks and bruises right now. He struggled with some of those injuries uh, throughout last year, but he, you know, despite. All that he he is a he is a favorite of you know the real football community because he's a physical freak. The guy when he's when I mean I think you'd agree with this JJ when when he's running hard when he's healthy and bulldozing people and he can I mean he has crazy lateral quickness for a big guy. Uh, he can outrun you. He can stiff arm you. Uh, I just I think that his talent is unquestioned and you would right. put him on your on your team but yeah there, i mean there, there's a reason he was drafted so early by the browns in the draft right but you know look at look who's going after him cj spiller Lashawn mccoy alfred morris um you know there's some i mean I'm, I'm a big matt forte guy but you know that's just me but anyway the, the there are guys below him who i would there are at least three or four guys below him who i would take above him uh again we're we're talking about um uh, we're talking, you know, about this high in the draft. So, like I said earlier, uh, very few of these guys are going to outper- outperform their ADP by a whole lot. Um, the difference is, though, uh, unlike 
with wide receivers where there is opportunity to grab someone uh, similar much later in the draft, you don't have that opportunity with a guy like Trent Richardson. Um, so that's that that's something to be factored into your decision on on a guy like that in, in fantasy football. It's not like you can get a Trent Richardson comp in in round seven. You just you're not going to. So uh, he he makes my list there, and um, uh, let's see. Uh, I'll go on to tight end real quick because I know I mentioned this guy earlier, but Aaron Hernandez is going as the third tight end off the board surprising to me because um partly because due to injuries and and partly because even when he was healthy last year he wasn't um you know dominant by by any fantasy standard um his extrapolated stats over 16 games last year would it would have given him uh 772 yards receiving and eight touchdowns which would come out to 125 fantasy points and that would be a nice season. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I, the the guy I'm I'm uh, looking for, you know, a value opportunity here with with Hernandez is Dennis Pitta. Uh, Pitta scored 109 points last year, so that breaks down to um, one fantasy point per game would be the difference between those two. Um, and you would have had to pay a, a very high price for Hernandez last August. And Pitta was available on almost every waiver wire in America after week one. So, uh, so we're, I mean, remember, we're talking one fantasy point per game um, is the difference there. Right now, Hernandez goes in the middle of the fifth round. Pitta goes in the beginning of the 11th round. So, to me, that's, again, it's not a decision. If I'm starting a team, if, if I'm talking about talent, if I'm talking about route running and hands and ability to break tackles and outrunning people, I'm taking Hernandez every time. To, don't get me wrong. But but as far as value and trying to find a deal where you can get a deal, it's it's Pitta there for me. And I don't really see how how you could say otherwise. Yeah, and the other thing too is that everyone talks about uh, Gronk being out, and that's a reason why you should value Hernandez a little bit higher. Gronk was out last year. You're right. I mean, it, Hernandez did not perform to this godlike level when Gronkowski was out. So just just throwing that out there. I understand Wes Welker's not there anymore, and it's going to be a different offense and whatnot. But I mean, Hernandez he he's he's never played more than 14 games in a season. Never had a thousand yards in a season. He still has averaged six touchdowns per season. But, I mean, and, and that's the allure with him, I think, is the, the touchdown receptions. But come on. I mean, it's not you're, – you're spending way too high a price to get a guy like Aaron Hernandez, who is, a pheno- like you said, a phenomenal football player. I would like him as my tight end on my kickball team. <laughs> but, but I would not I, – I would not necessarily want him on his ADP in fantasy yeah, football. And it, and it also I, – I don't think we've mentioned this yet – and you talk about this a lot in your book, uh, um, which is excellent. Everybody, you should go read it. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, and they, you talk about opportunity cost, um, and you know when you're taking Hernandez as the third tight end off the board, you're sacrificing your chance at a whole lot more value for, from uh, from other positions. So it's yep. not it's not just that you're 
taking him instead of Pitta in the 11th. Um, it's that you're missing out on, you know, whoever might be available there, even if it's a, an elite quarterback who happened to drop into that area. Yeah, that's what I, I like to say, that fantasy football is not about the players that you do draft. It's about the players that you don't draft. Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I swear uh, I didn't tell JJ that I was doing this with quarterbacks, but I'm pretty much doing the same thing that he did with tight ends. Nice. And saying that pretty much the top seven quarterbacks to me are guys who would be incredible to have on your real team. You know, leaders of men, just unbelievable talents, proven a lot of them in the clutch. But fantasy-wise, there's not really an argument for for them, you know, uh, being drafted where they are drafted. So... Um, the top seven or eight guys for me are, you know, guys who fake football wise, fake wise, don't make any sense. And you, they're very replaceable. Well, well down, down the board. Yeah. And the thing is, is that the, the guys that are, you know, between the, the five to, uh, to 12 range at quarterback, people are really valuing them differently. Mm -hmm. So Every draft that you get into next year, or next year into August, uh, it, it, you're gonna see a guy like Russell Wilson be drafted as the sixth quarterback, and sometimes you're gonna see him being drafted as the eleventh quarterback. So, really, there's there's no reason to to get all excited about um, drafting one of those guys because uh, there's a reason for that. They're all interchangeable. They're all in the same tier. Mm-hmm. They're all the same caliber kind of fantasy player. Uh, but you know, obviously, I agree with with your sentiment that they are insanely important in real football. But when it comes to fake football, you can throw them on the curb and get a guy off the waiver wire. Exactly. I, I mean, you just just look at, I mean, look at the ADPs for some of these very useful options. You know, not again, not guys that real footballers would fall in love with. But I mean, you're talking. Um, I know I'm kind of uh, not everyone is on the Cutler bandwagon with me, but he's available. He's available in the twelfth round, guys. Twelfth, you know what? What are you? What are you sacrificing? Nothing. Sam Bradford. The Rams are practically begging you to to to, to draft Sam to, to Sam Bradford this year, saying saying, hey hey everybody, uh, we're we're gonna throw the ball a lot this year, like a ton. So maybe. <laughs> Maybe you want to take Brad. I don't know. Maybe you want to take Bradford. So, so just do it. Uh, right. Thirteen. Uh, the end of the thirteenth round. I mean, basically, you pick Bradford, and then a defense. I mean, you know, like like uh, there there there's just a ton of value down there. Totally. Yeah. So they're important in real football, not important in fake football. And that that's hard to get across. And as you know, I mean, no one knows that oh, like yeah. you know it. But it's hard to get across with quarterbacks, especially because it's such a sexy position. You know, it's like it's the ultimate position in sports, and and for good reason. For good reason. Yeah. And 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 no no, but no one ever believes you whenever you say that they're that they're it's a devalue it's an inherently devalued position in fantasy football. Right. That's just the way that it's structured. It's just how it works. Right, right. And um, uh, I did. I actually did have a question for you. I, I got this on Twitter, and I, I, I thought I'd run it by you. Uh, in six-point quarterback leagues, I mean, I mean, I'm sorry. In in leagues where quarterbacks get six points for a passing touchdown, yeah. Does that change anything drastically? I mean, it 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 
does. Um, I, I would say that it does. It did more last year, or like the perception of that entering last season, it mattered more. This season, I don't think that you can really put that much thought into it because the position really is that deep. Um, I think the still pr- the, the principles still apply. Um, you should slightly devalue the rushing quarterbacks uh, compared to the passers, uh, obviously, because you're getting those two extra points per passing touchdown, and someone like Cam Newton's only going to throw 20 to 25. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you typically would. This year you wouldn't. But when I say you typically would, it wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't just start drafting three quarterbacks in the first four rounds of your draft. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's my that's my real team, uh, and I think I think those players and your players were you know uh, very stark in in stark contrast to each other as to how players should be and and are evaluated uh, between you know film watchers and people who care only about the value that they can get in a in a draft in a fantasy draft. Yep. Totally. All right, Denny. You know what time it is. Is it ranting time? It's ranting time. All right. Well, you you go first. I think this time. Okay. Um. So this is this is gonna be a little bit different. I'm 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 gonna rant about Google Hangouts. Oh boy. So many many fantasy football football uh, footballers and experts and bloggers have taken the technology that Google has provided, Google Hangouts and dump the idea that you need to record a podcast without video. So so we now get to see everyone's mugs. <laughs> and and while that's fun and all, uh, if you if you're going to partake in a Google Hangout, can you just do me one favor? Can you please clean? Just just clean. Make an effort and take 13 seconds to put some order to your blankets and Dorito bags sitting behind your big dome. <laughs> and and don't and don't look like you just got out of bed either. I mean, even if you did, just splash some water in your face because it's the internet and people see things. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. That's pretty good. And yeah, it's uh, it's disturbing when you see a, a person who clearly just rolled out of bed and or is drunk trying to do a podcast. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, I like how the, the, like like you're. It's not like you're on TV. I get it, but like. You're still going to be in a video on YouTube, on the internet, that, like, people are going to look at. And, like, I'm not even, like, a really, like, I got to be looking great all the time kind of person. I got to clean my house all the time. But, like, if you're sitting there and there's, like, there's this dude sitting on your couch in the background while you're podcasting, (laughs) like, there's something going on. Like, there's something wrong there. Did that guy just fart? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, as you know, I mean, I'm the opposite. I'm... As as per usual, I'm wearing a three piece suit, and uh, yeah, that's true. And you'll be wearing that also when we meet for milkshakes later, right? And drinking scotch. So, um, yes. Anyway, my rant will be short as well. And I mentioned this on Twitter. I mean, this is this is this is this has to be disturbing, even to even to apologists of the the one they call Tebow. The guy is being drafted as the 13th quarterback off of mock draft boards today you know what that's incredible what, what so so this is like this is like a this is like an actual war being waged right on behalf of of the vanquished you know tebow right i mean it <laughs> so 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 he has like minions you know circulating through across the internet like like just t- taking him as the first pick in a mock draft and being like tebow forever 
and and leaving i mean you're, you're first of all you're ruining it for everybody else for all the, you know for all real degenerates who are trying to get a real feel for uh you know how a draft might go this year and secondly the tebow plays for the same team i play for which is no one so <laughs> I, I guess what i'm saying is you should draft me instead nice that's what i got i like that you know honestly doesn't we should email fantasy football calculator yeah yeah what's what's happening i don't understand because that's kind of a that's not good no i mean i mean 13 like he's above <laughs> he's above <laughs> he's above eli manning and rothless i don't understand the guy oh my god the guy doesn't play he doesn't play football i know that's I, so that that's one thing I should have ranted about, but like the the whole Tim Tebow thing, like if you're gonna make a Tim Tebow joke, that means that you don't watch football. Mm. Oh 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 god, yes, definitely. Right? Like it, the the people who make Tim Tebow jokes are the people that like that just don't have a witty enough sense of humor to to make a real football joke. Right. I, I also I also love the portrayal of Tim Tebow as like the aggrieved party, uh, like the 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 oppressed you know, young man who can't catch a break. Like, come, yeah. come on. I mean, if he was, yeah. if he was worth, you, so you're telling me that if he was worth the pickup, that someone wouldn't just pick him up. I mean, uh, like he's that, it, he's that bad guys. It's, it's just so, it, it's so dumb. Like the whole thing is so dumb and I, I can't, I can't believe we're even talking like, you know, obviously you ranted for good reason because his ADP was <laughs> the QB thirteen. But right, right. But I, like, it's just it's it's such a stupid thing in the NFL. I know. I I can't wait till we don't have to talk about it. I know. I know. I just brought it up and it's my fault. But but I will <laughs> I will say that that I just it just caught my eye. I actually did like a triple take. Like I I made sure that I didn't have it on some weird setting. You know, I I, I like I blinked my eyes. Uh, I cried a little bit, and then and then I went back, and it was still he's still right there below Tony Romo and above Eli Manning. Yeah, I went I, whenever you tweeted out the link, I went and looked, and I was looking because you can change the dates and stuff up top, and I'm like, oh, it must have just been like a joke played today, and it was just May 29th, May 29th, and then I looked, and it's like, no, it was a month worth of ADP data. No, this is like this is like a, a mission, like people, like he has people doing this for him. I swear. It's a conspiracy. Insane. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, that is that's episode nine. Oh, cool. All right. Well, hey, uh, uh, ninety-one to go, and we'll we'll match the two mugs a hundredth podcast. Yeah, man, that is that's phenomenal 91. stuff. Ninety-one. So by by the beginning of the twenty twenty-seven season, we're we'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> Although I must say the 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 Blackhawks just beat the Red Wings in overtime, and. Uh, Forbes is probably crying in the shower. Is that is that hockey? That's just, oh sorry. Did I just mention hockey on this Wait, podcast? I didn't. I don't. It doesn't compute. I'm sorry. Oh, all right. Well, maybe we can talk about it. I'll explain what hockey is over some milkshakes. Oh, that's excellent. I think that'll that'll, that'll be good for me. All right. Where where can they find you, Denny? At uh, CD Carter thirteen uh, on Twitter. Uh, I write for thefakefootball.com and sportsjerks.net. I also have a book coming out on Saturday um, called How to Think Like a Fantasy Football Winner. I'm definitely overselling it by its title, but uh, <laughs> check it out. I'll flood your timeline with it. You'll get tired of me. So just pay me money and read my stuff, okay? 
Can they find you in Antarctica as well? Uh, they can. Uh, yes, they can find me in, as, as a, a peng, half penguin, half human um, on the Twitter. Nice. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm JJ Zacharyson. That's Eason, Eason, not Iason. You can find me at Pro Football Focus, LateRoundQB.com, and every once in a while on RotoWorld.com. And I'm on Twitter. I'm on the Twitter as well, at LateRoundQB. You are? Um, this whole time. Yeah, is that nuts? <laughs> well, Denny, let's, uh, let's go get some milkshakes. All right, man. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Peace. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the Internet Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long. It's fast. For more fantasy football info, check out LateRoundQB.com. Hope you come back soon as we share about the teams and as we live, live in the stream.